The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I want to get into the Word this morning because I believe that God's doing some great things in this new year, and I want to talk about opportunities and ways that the Word uh, gives us instruction for uh, success. Now, here's a few things we're going to find if you're taking notes. I encourage note-taking. I mean, if you even have to, you know, mug your neighbor for a pen, don't hesitate to do so. Writing things down is an incredible and powerful method of recording information in your mind. Also, you can revisit it in your own time because we're here I'm probably going to speak for, you know, a half hour or something. Some of you just said, yeah, right, half hour. When have you ever gone a half hour? But, you know, we're just here for a short amount of time. But there's things that God wants to speak to you personally and privately and individually. And so when we visit the Word in our own time, there's opportunity for wonderful effects. And sometimes taking these notes gives you that opportunity to, in your own time, visit these things and allow God to speak to you on a very individual and personal level. So if you're taking notes, you can write a few things down. I I like this. I like to have some things to look forward to, Uh, some things to maybe stir some anticipation, right? Because we've all heard our share of sermons, right? I mean, I've heard my share of sermons and then some. So it's real easy for my brain to think, well, this is sermon time, been there, done that, and you kind of check out a little bit. But if we have something that we can anticipate, if we hear something and say, you know what, that sounds like something that I'm interested in or, or something that I could really use in my life, you know, well, then it helps us to just engage in a little deeper level and pay a little closer attention. So here's a few things that we're going to find, okay? We're going to find out what today is. What today is. Now, if you're like me, you're maybe a couple of days behind and you write it down wrong all the time. I'm still writing down 2017. Did you hear me right? 20. <laughs> 17 on things, and here we are in 2019. We need to know what today is. We're going to find out what today is. And another thing that we're going to find is what it takes to obtain the promises of God. I mean, like, that one should get us to engage a little bit because we talk about the promises of God. We, we, we have as desires the promises of God. Those are things that we, we sing about. But we want to talk about how to actually obtain them. When I say obtain them, I mean have them be active and real in your life, relevant in, in real time for each one of us. And the Word gives us instruction in how we can uh, do just that. A third thing that we're going to find is how to be promoted by God. How many of you think you deserve a promotion? Oh, hands are going up. I like that. I like that. A promotion, how to be promoted by God. You know, we, we want to to see God elevate our lives in different ways. And there's some scripture that I want us to get to, and I want us to identify what it is that God's saying, and God's desiring to promote us in our lives. In fact, I told you we're going to find out what today is. I want to start there, okay? I want to start on what day it is today. So just off the top of your head, what, what is today? I mean, think about it. What's today? Sunday. It's Sunday. January what? 13. Man, you guys are sharp. You can't get anything past you. I figured on a cold day, you know, I might be able to slide that. But it, and here it is, 2017 and everything. But what, here, I want you to turn somewhere in your Bibles. I want you to turn to, to Psalm 118. Psalm 118. 
And I want to look at verse 24. You're there flipping through the scripture. Psalm 118, beginning in verse 24. Are you there yet? What would happen if we all read that out loud together? Huh? If I just told you when to go, would you go? All right, go. Yeah, isn't that awesome? So, what is today? The day that the Lord has made. You know, that's how we should call every day. There's something about that that we need to catch. Every single day. God has made this day. Now, I know that our days come with different things. Some days come with a lot of celebration. Some days come with many trials. I mean, days come with a lot of different stuff attached to them. But no matter what, every single person can declare what today is. And it's that. This is the day that God has made. And then there comes a a response to that. Once we have that embraced, once we have that understanding locked in, more than just a fact but a truth, it's absolute This is the day that God has made. He made today. He knows everything about it. And here I am. It results in something. That response to rejoice and be glad in it. I mean, rejoicing is always a choice. It's always a decision. And it's a decision that we ought to make more often as believers. As it concerns the day that we're walking in. But now there's a a passage that follows this. And I want to read it to you. If we're reading Psalm 118 and we're taking verse 24 along with verse 25, it would read like this. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, do save. We call upon you. O Lord, we call upon you. Do send prosperity. Now, if you have your Bibles there, do you see an exclamation point at the end of prosperity? I mean, don't ask me where they get that punctuation, right? But I can just tell you, this is a a cry. It's a a calling out to God. And that call and that request is an acknowledgement. One, that this is the day. You've orchestrated today. You've made today. And you've placed me in it. So I'm going to understand that you love me. You care for me. You cherish me. You're raising me up. So everything that exists in today must have some good for me. Whether I can see it or not. So I'm going to cry out to you. Oh God. Send that prosperity. If you look up that word prosperity, it has a couple of meanings. I mean, prosperity is something that we talk about today, so it has a meaning to us in and of itself. But it really could be interpreted as advancement or success. So in this prayer, there's an acknowledgement. Today is the day that you made. You've orchestrated this day, and everything that's in it, you've known about it. I'm going to choose to rejoice and be glad that you've placed me here and now today. And I'm going to cry out to you, send advancement, send success. If this day has problems, send success. If this day has trials, well then send advancement. If this day has difficulty, then send prosperity. This is a prayer that is being lifted up and it's set as an example and a model for us. We ought to see it. And understand that the days that we live in, every single day that we live in, is a day that God has made. We can choose to either be upset by it, disturbed by it, frustrated by it, angered by it, or we can choose to rejoice in it. 
to be glad in it and find ourselves positioned to cry out to God to send advancement and send success. I want to talk about ways that we can have success and advancement. I want to have the advantage. The, the scripture talks about wisdom being able to give us an advantage. I just want to look at five things. The other day, my family was out at a restaurant, and there was an item on the menu. And this item was for the indecisive, because it had a little bit of everything on it. If you didn't want to order this, or you didn't want to order that, or you wanted this, and you also wanted that, or whatever, you had an opportunity to order this thing, and you got a little bit of everything. Well, this morning, we're not just going to talk about one thing or another thing. I want to talk about several things. And these several things all have the opportunity and potential to position us for advancement and success throughout the days that we're living in. Because this day, God has made it. And we can choose to embrace that and look for the success, call upon Him for the success that He's able and willing to make available. And there's some things that the Scripture gives us, instruction and guidance, that can position us for that success. I want you to take this one down. This one would be the first one. And a list of, of things that promote advancement and promote success in our lives. One, having desires. Having desires. Not just any desires, but having desires. I mean, in the new year, there are men and women who position themselves to focus and think for the purpose of setting goals. Well, that's a, a really you know, layman's term for having desires. I mean, what is it that you want to see accomplished? If you were doing just this day, what do you want to do today? Uh, just yesterday, I was able to pull away and had some time with my family, and I remember asking that question to my wife, what would you like to do today? It sounds like this common sentence, right? But there's something powerful happening there. We're setting this goal, we're setting desires for the purpose of making decisions and efforts to meet those goals and satisfy those desires, to position ourselves for success on the day, rather than just let it maybe happen accidentally, which rarely happens. What happens accidentally is your phone rings, or somebody has an issue, or a trial, or a hardship. The things that happen on purpose is what I'm talking about. We need to be intentional with our lives. We need to have desires. I want to give you a couple of passages of Scripture. Psalm 37 verse 4 talks about having desires. It talks about being pleased with the things that God does. Just kind of like that prayer, this is the day you've made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Psalm 37 verse 4, it reads like this, Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delighting yourself in the Lord simply means to align yourself with the things that God is delighted by, the things that He likes, the things that He approves of. He wants to give you the things that He knows are life-giving and healthy, the things that are of His kingdom. And when we can align ourselves with Him, He'll give us those things, those desires of our heart. But here's something that I've seen. I mean, this might be a bit of a stretch, and if it is, hang in there, right? But when I look around believers and the lives of believers, I see people living in such a way as trying to delight themselves in the Lord. 
going to seminars and conferences and Bible studies and prayer meetings and those things. And all those things are great. They're fine. We should do those things. But they're making an effort to delight themselves in the Lord. And what I see is they're doing the work, right? Well, if we're going to do the work, I want us to get the benefit. If we're going to, to pursue those things, if we desire that. So what's really sad to me is to meet a believer who's structuring their life around doing the things that God has called them to do and, and being the men or the women that God has called them to be, but then they don't have any desires. When we can delight ourselves in the Lord, the Word says then He will give us the desires of our heart. I think we should have desires. I think there should be things that we want to see in our lives. I mean, I want to see my children raised up in a godly way. I want to see my marriage thrive. I want to see great things for the church. Oh, if you only... And that's you, by the way, and me together with you. That, I want to see awesome stuff happen in this group of people right here. Those are desires that I have. And so as I live out my life delighting in the things of the Lord, I'm understanding and becoming more and more aware every day that the desires that I have in my heart are important. He cares about those things. We need to have desires. Having desires is necessary in order to have desires fulfilled. And having desires fulfilled is a really powerful thing. I want to give you a passage of Scripture here out of the Proverbs. Proverbs 13, 12. It reads like this. It reads, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But, can you say but? Yeah, see, we got, it's turning around here. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. I mean, that's pretty descriptive, right? A tree of life, meaning that it's a source that produces, and it produces the things that bring nourishment and and are life-giving. We need to be a people that are having our desires fulfilled to be a people that are alive and lively, walking in that Zoe life that Jesus said. Remember, he said, I came that they may have life and life in abundance. Abundant life. For us to see that abundant life, Obviously, desires being fulfilled is a real important factor in that. Proverbs 13, 19 says that desire realized is sweet to the soul. So I think it's important for us to have desires, godly desires. I think it's important for us to be able to write those things down, to talk about those things. And the wonderful thing about desires or goals or whatever you want to to use as a term is that they're relative. I mean, you can have goals for, or desires for your entire life. You can have goals or desires for lunch. I mean, how do you want to see lunch go? How would you like to see this afternoon? I mean, you're talking about just a few hours. How do you want to see this weekend? How do you want to see this school year? How do you want to see this summer? How do you want to see 2019? We need to have desires. So that God can give us those desires as we align ourselves with His will and delight ourselves in Him and His ways. Another thing that we need to do in order to position ourselves for success, another thing that is helpful, I should say, in positioning yourself for success is surround yourself with good attitudes. Surround yourself with good attitudes. 
Now, here's what I want to prevent as we go through this. I want to make sure that we're getting the power of the word, that this doesn't become some chicken soup for the soul sermon, but that we realize we're using the scripture to map out things that we ought to do to live a more empowered and position for success kind of life. Surrounding ourselves with people that have good attitudes is important for positioning ourselves for success. It's actually important because it prevents us from failing. I want to give you a couple of passages of Scripture here. Proverbs 22, beginning in verse 24. We'll read verses 24 and 25. Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25. It gives an instruction. It says, don't associate with a man given to anger. I mean, I want you just to think about that for a second. Don't associate with a man given to anger. Associate meaning connect with or, or be involved with or, or connected to. Don't associate with a man given to anger or go with a hot-tempered man or you will learn his ways and find yourself in a trap. Now, I mean, here's a, a passage that's written to people that believe in the things of God, who walk in the things of God. So this isn't just something that's good advice for the worldly person to live a little more moral life. This is counsel for those that are walking in the will of God. We're told to, to not surround ourselves with people that are quick-tempered or, or given to anger because it is contagious. That's what the scripture says right there. I mean, obviously, it uses a few different words. It says, don't associate with a man given to anger or a hot-tempered man, or you will learn his ways, right? Well, we have no problem understanding something being contagious if it read like this. Like, don't hang out with people with the flu, or they're going to sneeze on you, and then you're going to get the flu too, right? It's really saying the same thing. We need to be mindful of the attitudes of those that we surround ourselves with. Be mindful of it. We don't have to be rude and we don't have to reject. We need to understand, though, that the boundaries that we operate in in our lives have the, the ability to protect us from suffering, the anger, the bad attitudes, those things that exist in others that we don't need in our lives. Those things will hinder and hold back. I want to give you a couple of passages of Scripture here. James chapter 1, verse 20. James 1.20, it reads like this, The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. I mean, listen, we read through that and it kind of goes quick, right? But I want you to think. Like, try to just not be distracted by anything, but think about that. If you didn't hear it, I want to read it again. The anger of man will not accomplish the righteousness of God. That means if anger is in our life, it's going to be impossible for us to carry out God's will. His righteous will for your life and for my life is going to be hindered by anger. So let me just kind of step in for a second and just, you know, play a little strategy here. If I were your enemy, if I were your enemy and it was my desire to keep you from accomplishing God's will for your life and I knew that if you could have anger issues in your life it would keep you from accomplishing God's will and I knew that if you surrounded yourself with angry people it would eventually rub off on you then I would be trying to grab all the angry people I could find and get them around you. I would be trying to, to make your workplace miserable. I would be trying to make all of the places where you camp out a place where you're exposed to bad attitudes because according to the scripture they're contagious and once you catch it 
it's going to be really hard, if not impossible, to accomplish the righteousness of God. And when we begin to see the word like this, it can help us to strategize and realize that there's things going on that aren't seen but are very powerful and effective one way or the other. And we can begin to act and respond to those things for the purpose of protecting our hearts and our minds, staying free from anger and being hot-tempered and walking with the right attitude. And I like to think that this is the right attitude. It's written out in James. Just before you read that the anger of man doesn't accomplish the righteousness of God, you kind of see the attitude that we're meant to have. James 1.19 says, everyone, can you say everyone? I mean everyone. So everyone is all inclusive. Nobody's left out of everyone. Everyone must. I mean, can you think of a more absolute word than must? Anyone? No. Must is, is this absolute word. I mean, this is a requirement. It's not an option. Everyone, all-inclusive, must, absolute, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I mean, I think we're seeing an attitude that we're meant to, to walk in, a, a, a mentality. I think we're seeing that the attributes that we're called to have, to be listeners. To be listeners. And then to be slow to speak, meaning after I've listened to you, I'm not in a hurry to fire off a shot back. i got to tell you something. There are things that exist. And I'm going to show you my clay feet a little bit. I mean, I, I'm a married man. My wife is incredible, and I'm okay. So that is a bad combination, right? That's going to open up the door for some potential conflict because she's amazing and I'm decent, right? So you're going to have some things that, that don't connect. But here's what I'm aware of. There are times when there are conflicts and I feel things happening. And I mean, nobody wants to stand and say amen or, or hey, me too, brother, you know. But I'm saying this because I want you to know that this is something that's real. I mean, you can feel things kind of rising up. Like it starts here and it starts to come and then, you know, and then it comes right out your mouth. Blah! That's not slow to, to, to speak or quick to hear and slow to speak. And it's not slow to anger. And then there's times where that conflict is going on. And, and, and you know, I mean, I, I can just, I'm standing there and I'm, I'm being quick to hear. I mean, I'm letting you talk, but really what I'm doing is just waiting for my turn. So if you could hurry up, that would be nice because I got a lot of things I want to say. And, and so, you know, I love that it says quick to hear and then slow to speak. Because being quick to hear is not being slow to speak. I want to be a good listener. And then when, when all is said, when, when everything is said on the end that is coming at me, then I want to be slow to speak. Meaning it's not just like, okay, you got two minutes to tell me what your problem is, and then I'm going to let you have it. But we see this right here, and I mean, seriously, we could take this passage of Scripture and just let God do great things in our lives by increasing our understanding and our awareness, by making that passage a reality in each one of us. 
Think about what that could improve. Think about how much prosperity could come and and promotion could come and all of those things that the psalmist is writing saying, hey, I'm crying out to send it now. You've made this day. You know of every trial that's in it, but I know that you can give me everything I need to advance with success. So help me now, please, to be quick to hear and then slow to speak and then slow to anger. And something happens when we take that on. I mean, now this is, is outside of the Scripture a little bit, but it makes perfect sense. It, it cooperates with the Scripture. So it's not a verse. It's not like turn to chapter whatever of the book of whatever. It's just let's look at the dictionary. Because what I have found generally is that when I'm not operating as James would call me to operate, when I'm not being quick to hear and then slow to speak and slow to anger, when that's not happening, I'm always reacting. How many of you remember science class, right? For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. You know what that means at my house with two nine-year-old boys? It means you hit me, I hit you back. And, you know, as believers then, we're just positioned to react to one another, to react to situation, to react to circumstance. You did this and I don't like it, so boom! Reaction. But when we operate like James is teaching us, when we operate, he's inspired by the Holy Spirit to give us instruction to position us for success. And when we take that to heart, we let it transform our lives. We let it soften our hearts and have a profound effect on our ears and our mouths. When we allow that to happen, we stop reacting to things and we begin to respond to things. I mean, think about it now in science. It doesn't say for every action there's an equal and opposite response, right? When we have the opportunity to respond, that means we can take in the situation. We can take in what's going on. Then through, through patience and with the pursuit of, of, of being spirit-led and, 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 and grounded in the Word, we can then respond. We can then move with our words and our actions in a way that don't just make the problem worse or compounded, but actually bring and carry solution. I want you to think about a word for a second. I like words, right? I mean, you used to be a kid and, and, and you, you know, nothing really mattered. Then you, you grew up and, and you got older and you have what? You have responsibilities, Right? I want you to think about that word responsibility. Could it not be seen as the ability to respond? You have the ability to respond to situations. And God is raising up a a group of mature people, no longer childish, but growing in the things of God so that we can be responsible or so that we can be able to respond. No matter what frustration comes our way, no matter what buttons are pushed or levers are pulled, we have the ability by the Holy Ghost, thank you Jesus, to not react, but respond. And our response has the ability to bring about the healing that's necessary for all of those situations. So here's another thing that we need. We talked before about needing to have desires and and surrounding ourselves with people with the right attitudes. That's really important. Now, a third thing that can help position us for the prosperity or the success or advancement that the psalmist is crying out for, we need to have good teachers. Good teachers. It's important for us to have good teachers. 
Here's why it's important for us to have good teachers. Not just so that we can be smart or intelligent. It's not about IQ. It's actually about capacity. Let me give you a a passage of scripture and I'll explain what I mean. Luke chapter 6 verse 40. Luke chapter 6 verse 40 contains words being spoken by Jesus. And Jesus is speaking these words to me and to you so that we can come into an understanding of how important it is to have good teachers. Jesus says, a student is not above his teacher, but everyone. Will you say everyone? See, I mean, once again, this is all inclusive, right? All inclusive. Everyone. Everyone, after he's been fully trained, will be like his teacher will be like his teacher. I passionately want to follow Jesus. But here's the reason, and I want to be careful how I say this, and I want you to understand that I don't mean anything arrogant by this. I don't mean anything narcissistic by this. But it's simply an awareness and a perspective that causes me to walk softly and gently and with caution as I pursue the things that we're pursuing together. Because as a teacher here in the church, I understand that I could set a capacity on every person here. If I'm just quoting Jesus, I could say, you'll never be greater than Preston. But once you've been fully trained, it's enough that you'd be like him. You want to know where that sets the bar for me? I mean, let me tell you something. If I didn't know of the goodness of God and the empowerment and the enrichment of the Holy Ghost, that would terrify me. But I know that God has great things and that He's leading and guiding. So just like Paul would say, follow me as I follow Christ, I can say, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. I want to follow Jesus and make sure that there's no hindrance upon your promotion, no hindrance upon your success, but I want to bring the Word of God in such a way that we can be fully trained and be just like Jesus. We need to take on that mentality in our lives. Some of us have employees, and we need to understand this is as good as it gets in my workplace. No one will ever be better than me. And I need to take that on as a responsibility to make myself the best that I can possibly be for the purpose of not hindering those around me. Husbands, this is as good as it gets in my marriage. I've got to raise myself up and follow after Jesus for the purpose of not hindering my wife and my children. I want us to have that as an understanding that it's important for us to have good teachers because that will set a capacity on our life. I want Jesus to ultimately be my teacher. Jesus is teaching and He's teaching us constantly for the purpose of us being raised up and elevated, fully trained. Now, if that was hard for you to hear, this should take some of the edge off of that. I want to give you a passage of Scripture. I told you before we were going to find out how to obtain the promises of God. But I want you to see it in a passage of Scripture and also put it in light with having good teachers. Hebrews chapter 6. I want to read verses 11 and 12. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. The passages read like this. Don't be sluggish. I mean, don't be lazy. Don't be apathetic. But be diligent until the very end. And be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherited the promises. 
Now, throughout Hebrews, you get an identification of who, who they are, those, those who inherited these things. And it speaks of Abraham and Sarah and others. All of these individuals and their lives are meant to serve as an example for us. They're meant to be teachers. We're meant to imitate them so that we can also obtain what they obtained. But when we sing of the promises and we speak of the promises, I think it's important for us to see that achieving and reaching the promises comes from following the examples that God has given us. And there's no greater example than Jesus Christ. Be an imitator of those who through faith and patience inherited the promises. Well, I get real excited about inheriting the promises of God. And I got to tell you, it gets mildly concerning when I hear it's going to take patience. And then it's going to require faith. But when we look on the lives of everyone who has inherited anything from God, you'll see that's what it takes. And as we have those set as teachers in our lives, we position ourselves to follow in their example and receive those promises just as God's word declares we will. So as we move towards success and advancement, it's important to have desires and be surrounded by people with good attitudes. It's important to have good teachers. We need Jesus to be our teacher. And here's another tip as we move forward for success. We need to filter our friends. Filter our friends. I'll explain what I mean by that. I'll give you a couple of of passages of Scripture. If you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write this down. Proverbs 18, verse 24. Proverbs 18, 24, it reads like this. It says that a man of many friends comes to ruin. A man of many friends comes to ruin. I mean, in our culture today, there's a celebration of obtaining as many friends as you can possibly have. It's a a, a way of building an identity of, of popularity or acceptance. And I'm not even just referring to social media. You start stepping into social media and, and there are people that have obtained friends and there are people that they don't even know. But having many friends will bring us to ruin. If we're going to position ourselves for success and advancement, we're going to have to filter our friends. Friendships require effort. They require investment. There's no way that someone can have a a thousand friends and be invested in all of those relationships. They don't have the time or the resources or the energy to do so. Friendship is a powerful thing. In fact, it's so powerful That friendship has the ability to be the platform to showcase the love of God. I mean, I want to say that again and I want you to catch it. Friendship is so powerful that it is used as the platform to display the love of God. I'll read you a passage of scripture here. Words spoken by Jesus in John 15, 13, when he said, Greater love has no man than this, than he lay his life down for his friends. I mean, it's a sweet passage of Scripture, and it's an encouraging word to hear, but I want you to think about this, that the greatest manifestation of love, Jesus saying there's no greater love, meaning this is the fullest 
manifestation you'll ever see the most perfect picture of love right here. It involves sacrifice, but more than sacrifice, it involves sacrifice for a friend. Friendship is a platform that is so powerful, so important and so necessary that it's absolutely God-ordained. I'll give you a passage of Scripture here in a moment. I want to give you this one first. Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 6 identifies the the power of friendship and the importance of filtering our friends. And when I say filtering our friends, it means there's really no room for casual friendships. I've got lots of acquaintances. I know a lot of people. But there's only a handful of people that I have invested friendships with and that they reciprocate that friendship. And if I'm not careful, this can become a message on that, and I don't want it to be for today. But you'll see a passage of Scripture here in Deuteronomy that identifies the power of friendship. In Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 6, you see a number of uh, identities. A number of identities. It talks about brothers and and, and other uh, people that exist in your life. It says your brother, your mother's son, and and uh, or 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 daughter, the, the wife that you cherish. It talks about these individuals that exist in our lives. And then it talks about a friend. And I want you to pay close attention to how the friend is described. It reads like this, your brother, your mother's son, or your son or daughter, or the wife that you cherish, or your friend who is as your own soul. What an amazing description of a friend. Your friend who is as your own soul. Friendship is a powerful thing. And we need to be careful who we associate with and who we call friend. And here's a reason why. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 33 makes a very clear statement that's not subject to being occasionally accurate. But it's just simply a truth. And it opens up with this call to be aware. A call to have your eyes open and to be alert. It opens up with these words, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. The people that we choose to associate with, our friends, are going to have an impact on our lives. Based on Deuteronomy, they are as our own soul. The people that we choose to associate with, the people that we fellowship with and call friends will have an effect on our success, our advancement, our prosperity, how we function and operate. If their morality is corrupt, it will bring corruption into our lives. Bad company, company excuse me, corrupts good morals. And here's the importance of having friends in your life. You need people around you who can help you even in, uh, in your most dark times, your most difficult times. I've had dark times and difficult times, and I praise God for the friends that were around me to bring words of edification and truth into my life. Here's a passage of Scripture for your notes out of Proverbs. Proverbs 27, verse 6. It talks about two things. It talks about friends and enemies. And it says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. I mean, it's, a, it's an, a bizarre passage in its wording, but when you think about what it's saying, it begins to make sense. 
that there's a whole group of people out there who will make you feel good, but it's empty. They are in it for their own selfish gain. But then there's a group of people out there, a much smaller group of people who are present to serve you, to help you. And the words that they bring into your life might not feel very good, but they're for your benefit. We need to have friends who can help keep us on track. And Psalm 17, verse 17, says that a friend loves, and he loves at all times. Meaning that it's not just conditional upon when it's good for them. Well, as long as you're popular, and as long as you're riding on your high horse, I want to be your BFF. But the moment you fall on hard times, I'm out. We need to have strong friends to be positioned for advancement, to be successful. Uh, how to be promoted by God, that was one of the things that I said we'd find. And as we begin to close here, I want to do that. We've gone through the word here. We've been looking at ways to celebrate the day that God has made, to position ourselves to rejoice and cry out to God for that success, to, to have the desires so that he can fulfill them, to surround ourselves with good attitudes so that we're not led astray by anger, uh, to, to uh, come to the place where we have good teachers, where there's no limitation upon our capacity, and to filter the friends, not be led to ruin with the deception of having many empty relationships, but to be encouraged and built up by the few that are solid and stable, ordained by God. And then now, how to be promoted by God. If we're looking at this as, as an, a tip for pursuing success and a tip for pursuing that promotion, I would write it down like this. Simply think of others first. Thinking of others first. Obviously, it's a mentality, but it's a mentality that when embraced and, and adopted will result in action. When we think of others first, it's going to influence how we speak. It's going to influence how we behave and how we function. And it's the key to promotion, which is what the psalmist was crying out for as he was giving thanks for the day, knowing that the day brought about adversity, knowing that the day brought about celebration, knowing that the day brought about all kinds of different things. He knew that success was in the hands of God to bring, and he cried out for it. And as we read a passage of Scripture here, we're going to see what it takes to be promoted by the hand of God. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, I want to read verses 3 and 4. And then we're going to reference a verse that's further down in the chapter there. I want to encourage you in your own time to read this chapter of Philippians. You'll see a wonderful picture of Jesus. But not for the purpose of seeing Him from a distance. For the purpose of seeing Him right before your eyes as an example as an example of who we're called to be and how we're called to function and operate. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 3, it reads like this. Do nothing. Will you say nothing? I mean, I, I think it's good for us to engage like that. Nothing is, is another absolute word. I mean, nothing covers all. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Rather, with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Don't merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. 
It goes on in there as you read further, and I encourage you to read further in your own, own time to identify that this is an attitude that is in Jesus Christ. This is a mentality that is in Jesus Christ. It's part of who He is, and we're called to this same attitude, the same mindset, to do nothing from selfishness, but to regard others as more important than ourselves. Don't merely look out for our own interest, but look for the interest of others. When we can take on that attitude, we can go all the way down to verse 9 in this chapter, and verse 9 reveals this. For this reason... God highly exalts. For this reason, God highly exalts. As you read the chapter, you read that this is the attitude that's in Jesus. And as Jesus lives his life in this attitude, even being willing and obedient unto death on the cross, conquering the grave, resurrected, God highly exalts him. And we're called to have the exact same attitude. If we have the same attitude, will we not have the same result? If we can come to a place where we're no longer motivated by selfishness or personal gain, but we're watching for the needs of others, where we are responding to others before ourselves, if we have that same attitude of Jesus, will God not also raise us up? I think that we have choices and decisions in how we achieve success and promotion. There's the world's way of stepping on one another, climbing over each other, stabbing each other in the back. And then there's God's way, which is lifting one another up. I want us to be positioned for success in every moment of our lives. Whether we're measuring success in a single day, whether we're measuring it in a year, or whether we're measuring it in a lifetime. And I want us to lean on the Word of God, to stand upon the Word of God. I want us to trust in the Word of God to guide us to that success. I want to ask you this morning if you would stand with me. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.